Uh, we commenced this hour, though, in conversation with Dr. Stephen Williams about navigating the evolving world of plastic surgery from battling bias to becoming the first African-American president of the American Society of Plastic Surgeons. Dr. Williams, congratulations, sir, and good to have you on this program. Mr. Smiley, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you having me on, and uh, you know your your program's great. So it's an honor to be here. It's great to have you on. Just call me Tabis. You've earned that doctorate. I've, I've got a, I've got a few honoraries, but you've thank earned you. yours. So I'll call you Dr. Williams. You call me Tabis, and we'll get along fine here. Uh, so uh, so first of all, again, congratulations on, on that on that high honor. Um, give, thank give, you. Give, give me a sense of I don't know if you have uh, some stats uh, at, at the ready, but give me a sense of um, the uh, the presence of black uh, physicians in this field of plastic surgery across the country? Yeah, and so, you know, it's something that obviously we pay a lot of attention to. Um, you know, women, underrepresented minorities, African Americans, we're all underrepresented um, in terms of providers of plastic surgery. And things are getting better, but uh, we still have a long way to go. It, it kind of mirrors a lot of the other struggles in the country right now. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, in terms of numbers, do we, do we have any sense of how many black physicians there are in this field? When you look at the overall percentage of the demographics in the United States, you know, we're, we're well, you know, we're probably about 20 to 30 percent of what you would expect those demographics to be. And, mm -hmm. you know, as I always tell people when we're talking about equity and, and uh, diversity and access, you know, it's not about having a fixed ratio. It's not about saying that we need the, this profession to reflect exactly what is out there in society. But, you know, the real question is, as our patient population continues to diversify, as America becomes a more diverse country that um, has, you know, multiple um, colors, ethnic backgrounds, um, as, that, as those numbers increase, why is it that there is a disparity there, and, and, and what can we do to make it better? Yeah. This question might seem strange. Let me ask anyway, uh, not my first or last bizarre question, but, but I, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe there's something here, Dr. Williams. So this is, this is one of those fields that for years, uh, and you'll take my point, was a white thing. It was a white thing. Black, black people uh, were not into the plastic surgery thing. We are now, as you just said, the clientele is diversifying, the patient roster is expanding. I, I get that. But back in the day, uh, the good white folk were doing the plastic surgery thing before we discovered it. <laughs> now, I, I, ra you know, I, I raise that because it, 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 it fascinates me that a brother would choose to go into a profession that really didn't have a lot of you know, black folk in it as patients. Now, again, that's changing, but give me a sense of how and why you got into this field when it wasn't as black in terms of clientele as it is now. You know, Tavis, I can tell that you, you've earned every bit of your show because that's that's such a such an insightful question, and it has so many so many interesting details to kind of think about. You know, when we think about plastic surgery, let's start there. Mm -hmm. You know, plastic surgery is more than aesthetic surgery. It's breast reconstruction. It is um, reconstruction of congenital defects. It is trauma reconstruction. It's cancer reconstruction. So all of those things are, are an integral part of plastic surgery. And so mm -hmm. whenever I, I'm able to kind of advocate for our patients, I want to advocate for all of our patients. And traditionally, African-American women have been really not, uh, not been offered breast reconstruction options. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about plastic surgery, it's not just the Botox and the facelifts and the tummy tucks. It, it's also reconstruction and, and things that they have a right to have that they've mm -hmm. been denied. And so... I think that as people are finding more voices and more community, and I think social media has a lot of bad things, but social media is, is kind of helping with this, I think that 
people who look like me and who look like you are saying, you know what, I deserve this too. This is Mm -hmm. something that I have access to. Mm -hmm. And I think back to a patient that I treated. She was a nurse, and she was this wonderful nurse, and and she had been, uh, she worked in the ER, and so whenever she would call me with a kid who had a dog bite or something like that, she was like, Dr. Williams, you've got to come in and help this patient. She came to me after our relationship lasting about a decade or so, and she said, you know what, I think I want to do something. And we did some procedures for her. And she's an African-American woman, and and she said at the end, she was like, you know, I didn't think that I deserved this. Mm. I didn't think that this was something that was accessible to me because I felt the world was telling me I deserved to look like this, and I didn't have the right to self-actualize. And when we think back about what African-Americans, and there are other people, too, who have similar histories, but especially African-Americans have in terms of being able to have jurisdiction and control over their bodies and having the ability to make decisions about their bodies, this is this is really in, inherent in what yeah. freedom and the ability to exercise our, our, our rights are. Nope, I, I, I hear that. I receive that. Um, it makes, makes perfect sense to me. We are just getting started uh, in this conversation about uh, what it's like for a brother to navigate this evolving world of plastic surgery and uh, what it means to be the first African-American president of the American Society of Plastic Surgeons. We are still doing things now, uh, not because we weren't talented then, but uh, our time is uh, is here and we are breaking through in all sorts of uh, lanes and spaces and places, including plastic surgery. We'll continue with Dr. Stephen Williams when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. Hope, agency, dignity. This is Tavis Smiley. May Fresh Daily in the Mert Park, Los Angeles, California. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Dr. Stephen Williams, I'm always fascinated by the backstory of people uh, and why they do what they do. Um, just curious, of all the professions, uh, all the professions you could have gone in, uh, I, I should say directions you could have gone in in your profession, uh, why plastic surgery for you? You know, Tavis, I think like a lot of us, uh, I really looked at it as a challenge, and and I don't mean that in kind of the, you know, in a, in a non-serious way. Plastic surgery is one of the most competitive specialties in medicine to get into, and and medicine itself is is relatively competitive. The mm-hmm. schools I went to, um, Dartmouth for undergrad and Yale for medical school, those are also competitive. And you know, part of the reason is, is to just prove it to myself and, and to mm-hmm. prove it to others. And you know, the nice thing is when you kind of turn around and you've done all of it. It, it feels it feels different, but when you're that young kid looking at that and people are telling you you can't do it, especially as a black man, you work a little bit harder because you're like, you know what, I, I got to prove it to myself, I got to prove it to them, and, and you really do want to make room for other people to come up behind you. Like you said, it, it's been way too long. The ASPS has been around for almost 100 years, mm. and, I, and I'm the first one, and I'm by no means the only talented black plastic surgeon. I am by no means the only advocate for patients and for our specialty that looks like me. And so you kind of have to say it's been a little bit too long to get where we've gotten. Yeah. I love the story you told earlier about the the sister, the the African-American woman who, um, uh, after you did your magic with her, um, said that she felt she didn't deserve it. Uh, it. It's one thing to feel like you don't deserve it. It's another thing to have equitable access to it. Those are yes. not the same things. Uh, do black people writ large have equitable access to plastic surgery, and what role does insurance play in that? 
process? So that's, again, it's a, it's a great question. And I think historically the thing that we, we look at, because it's very uh, well-tracked and because there's federal regulations around ensuring access, is access to breast cancer reconstruction. Mm-hmm. We know that black women definitely suffer from breast cancer, but when we look at the trends, despite our best efforts, they continue to be marginalized. They continue to not hear about breast reconstruction options. They continue to be told, you know, that's not important or you don't need that or that's going to be too complicated for us to figure out. And again, we have to figure out, well, well what is it that, that is that barrier where if you're not black, you don't hear those things, or if you're not black, you have additional access mm-hmm. to those things that the law requires that you, you have access to. And, you know, these are complicated situations, but we have to keep fighting. We have to keep looking at, at why those things happen, especially when it comes to health care. Mm. I am um, I'm, I'm wondering, as you, I'm pausing because I was thinking as you were talking about yeah. the ways in which, uh, and there may, there may be nothing here, let me probe anyway. Um, I've had any number of conversations you can imagine over the course of my career about cultural competence or the lack thereof in the field of medicine writ large. Is there anything uniquely different that I should be aware of, the audience should be aware of, about cultural competence or the lack thereof in the field of plastic surgery? You know, the good thing is I I think it's slowly improving. It's not improving fast enough, Mm -hmm. but there are increasing conversations that it doesn't mean that every doctor has to look exactly like their patient or identify with the things that their their patients have, um, you know, that they've lived with or that they've been born with. But what it does mean is all of us need to listen and all of us need to be aware that there may be barriers to patients getting the care that they need, the care that they deserve, that we have to be sensitive to. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's really the conversation that needs to happen. We're not saying that everyone has to be, you know, matched with the plastic surgeon that looks like them or talks like them. But what mm-hmm. we do have to have is everyone has to listen. And it's not just plastic surgery, it's all of medicine. And when you look at the disenfranchisement that happens to underrepresented minorities, that happens even to women who are not minorities in this country, mm-hmm. it's because the doctors aren't listening or they're making assumptions that they shouldn't be making. And, and those are the things that we have to fix. Yeah. I'm saying this lovingly, but I'm also saying it tongue in cheek, but I'm also saying it for real, for real. And that is <laughs> that there are some things I just don't want to get white folk to do for me. I, I, I'm just, I, I, I just want to keep it real. I, I don't want you making yep. my potato salad. I just don't. Yeah. I just don't. Uh, I don't want I you making barbecue. How do you feel about it? Yeah. I, I, I don't want you making my barbecue. Barbecue a little bit better than potato salad. You can't touch, right, okay. but you can't touch the potato salad. Uh, I don't want you doing. I don't want you doing my greens. Uh, I, I don't want you being my choir director, clapping off beat. I, I don't. I don't want that. There's just certain things I don't want the good white folk to do, even though I love them. You see where I'm going here. If you are an African American, male or female, and you're about to have a plastic surgery, just given the, our, our phenotypes and the way we show up in the world, the way that God made us. Again, to your earlier point, you don't have to be black to do plastic surgery on a black person. But you see where I'm going here, do you not? I, I, I see exactly where you're going, and, and here's what I would say to that. Okay. I, I think that, that every plastic surgeon is well-trained to take care of any person of any gender, any sexual orientation, any religion, any color, um, any ethnic background. Um, that, that's part of the training. We're, we're trained to do that. Mm-hmm. What, what we're not trained in as well is listening, and we're not trained in as well as being culturally competent. I love that phrase. And, and that's the part where things break down right? Because 
someone of a particular background may have expectations or may expect to be communicated to a certain way or may have hesitancies about trusting the medical the medical institution mm-hmm. um, because of historic problems that especially black people have had with the medical institution. Sure, sure. And, and so without understanding some of those barriers, you can't be an effective caregiver. And so I understand when my patients come to me and say, I came to you because you look like me and I, and I trust you. Mm-hmm. And it makes me a little bit sad because they shouldn't have to kind of look far and wide for that type of access to good care. Yeah. And it makes me a little bit sad because I know that all of us are trained to take care of everybody. Yeah. And, and what I think that they're, they're they're communicating is they don't feel listened to or they don't feel that the communication is there and so it's hard for them to trust their providers and that's what we have to do better yep so the flip side of black folks seeking you out because you look like them and they 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 feel confident and comfortable that you know what to do with the unique phenotype that they have it's one thing for them to seek you out in that regard the flip side of that you see where i'm going uh is that some white person may come into your office and see Mm -hmm. ah it's a black man uh, have you had that experience where there are people, uh, frankly, who uh, didn't want your services because you happen to be an African-American male? So I think in the aesthetic space, I, I'm a well-known name at this point. Mm-hmm. And, and I think people who are coming here, they know who I am. And, and so that technically, that typically isn't as much of an issue right now. Right. However, there are tons of stories when I would walk into an emergency department and, you know, someone was busted up from a car accident or someone had, and they were like, whoa, who are you? And I'm like, I'm the guy that's going to put you back together and yeah. there's no one else. Um, I remember a story where uh, there was this guy who I was caring for in the beginning of my career and he had, he was at a county hospital and I was covering the county hospital just to try to do the right thing, mm-hmm. you know, just to try to help some people. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't there all the time. I was there a couple times a month and, and he had his big swastika on his chest. And I remember like I was doing, like, and, he was, and he would just, you know, at first he's like, you know, I'm not sure I can trust you. I'm like, look, I'm all you got. And he's like, well, what about this on my chest? I'm like, look, you know, I'm not going to invite you over for dinner, but <laughs> my, my job is to be professional and take care of you. Yeah. And, and what happened is that man had so much cancer, and I operated on him so many times that eventually he said, you know, Doc, I, I want to apologize to you because I thought you weren't going to give me good care. I thought you weren't going to respect me. And I'm like, my professionalism means that, that you don't have to worry about that. And that should be true of everybody. I don't like the swastika, but I'm going to treat you like a patient. Mm. That, that that requires some, they, they, what's, what's the Hippocratic oath? Do, do no harm. Is that it? Do no harm. Um, so I, I understand that your, your role in that, in that moment was, was not to do any harm, but to, but to help the patient. But I can't imagine um, that one would face um, a white supremacist with a swastika on his chest uh, and 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 um, not process that. I mean, you you did what you're supposed to do. You definitely process. Oh, yeah, you definitely yeah. process. process it. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely process it. Yeah. And you know, and, and I think about my parents, what they had to go through. Yeah. I think about my grandparents, what they had to go through. I think about my children, what I don't want them to have to go through. Mm-hmm. And, and and all I can do is I can't take that tattoo off that guy. Yeah. But what I can do is we're all God's children, yeah. and I can say, let me try to build a bridge and educate this person and and maybe make some of those things that led him to believe that, you know, less you know, less prevalent in his mind. Yeah. And it's that extra burden that I think a lot of, of 
black people deal with we have to we have to educate people right yeah. and it's like well, wait why why is that our extra our extra burden yeah. it, it shouldn't be but it is and it, it's the only way to try to make the world better i uh you'll appreciate this story i think uh i spoke at a funeral not too too long ago uh and um i was saying this is such, just such a such a beautiful kind loving person and sure. i was trying to provide some levity uh at the service and i was saying that it's a good thing that we aren't God, that we don't get to make the choices that he makes. Because if uh, if God had asked me, if he, if he just had to have somebody, <laughs> if he just had to pick somebody, he'd ask me, I could have given him some recommendations. Uh, <laughs> I, I could have rec- recommended a few people. If you just wanted, if you want to just pluck a flower from the garden, uh, as we say, I, I could recommend some folk you could have plucked. Uh, of course, somebody would have recommended me if, if if God had asked them who I should pick. So we don't we don't we don't have that 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 say so. Uh, but I was just uh, again trying to provide some levity because this was the this person was so sweet. It's just hard to imagine why they died so soon uh, when yeah. there are, when there are other folk who ain't doing no good in the world. Uh, and so I'm 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 sharing that story for the obvious reason. You're looking at this guy with a swastika on his chest. Maybe the world is better off without this dude. Uh, and yet you do your job to save his life anyway. So it all it all works out. And um, I, I I take your point, and I'm glad you did what you're supposed to do. Um, um, let me just ask what, what what is your in this role? Well, let me do, let me do this first. Let me ask this question first. Um, AI is touching everything these days, and so yep. I, I can only imagine that even in plastic surgery, uh, AI is is turning things upside down. Is is that good or bad, or, or am I onto something here? Yeah, you're definitely onto something. So you know, like everything in the world, it has good and bad things, and it has it it has uh, some of the bad things come from the history of who we are and and what we've built over time and. When you think about AI, it's going to make patient information more available. It's going to hopefully make physicians better able to make better decisions and, and be more accessible and make sure patients are getting their questions answered. Those are all the good things. The bad things are, you know, uh, whenever people talk to me about this, I think that there, NPR had an article um, from a uh, someone who a social a, a sociology professor who was doing some research, mm-hmm. and he asked AI create images of black African doctors treating white children. And it couldn't do it. It, it, it just refused, and it, it kept creating more and more bizarre images. And, you know, he asked it 50 ways to Sunday, different ways to kind of try to make it better, and it, it just couldn't. And the reason it struggles is because it's learning and who what AI is is based on the compendium of human knowledge on the internet Mm -hmm. and some of that's not great (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so when we think about ai and we think about healthcare, we don't want ai to continue to make the mistakes that healthcare has made in the past especially when it comes to black folks and we want to make sure that those biases get eliminated because we don't we can't perpetuate that we got we got to fix that stuff the second the second issue with ai and this is a little bit social about social media too and I know you're active on social media. I follow you on Twitter and uh, okay. or, sorry X. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. It's, same thing. I, same I, thing. I, yeah. I'm still gonna. I'm sorry, Elon. I'm still gonna call it Twitter. Yeah. Um, you know, but social media is incredibly powerful, and what AI is really good at is figuring out patterns and figuring out how to influence people and things like that. And mm-hmm. once AI really gets a hold of social media platforms, it's going to be incredible. It, it's going to be almost unstoppable. And, and the reason as plastic surgeons we care about that is because increasingly, especially young girls, are looking to social media for what perfection is supposed to be like or what they're supposed to look like. And it's incredibly corrosive. And 
you know, it, it's really important that we take we draw that line in the sand and say, look, it's great to be self-empowered. It's great right. to try to have your outside look like the way you feel on the inside. But there is no perfect. You're perfect the way you are right now. Right. You don't have to look at this this AI generated, this photoshopped perfection and say that's my goal forever it's it's important to be empowered but you got to make sure that you're listening to the right voices we haven't quite got to february yet but that's okay because around here we do black history every single day and we are celebrating that's how i feel about it there you go there you go (laughs) we are celebrating some black history right now uh with dr stephen williams the first african-american president of the american society of plastic surgeons they've been around for almost 100 years but finally got around to uh, their first african-american president and so we celebrate this african-american pioneer dr stephen williams dr williams good to have you on all the best to you sir uh, have a great rest of the year and stay strong tavis thanks for all your great work we'll, we'll be listening uh, my great delight thank you sir for coming on our program